We're back in quarantine. Stay at home. Kicking the coronavirus in the ass. Had to have on the Brando cast a person who knows more about rock and roll than me. No, oh no. A person no, who no. walks the walk and talks the talk. He's a writer. He's an author. He's a performer. He is absolutely one of my favorite comics of all time. And he knows a thing or two about podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, he's always fantastic. The legendary Greg Barrett. Oh, dude, I, don't, I can't live up to that intro, dude. I think we're done. Let's just call it. That's let's fine. Just end it right now. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's let's good just keep to this see. One short, high and tight. High and tight is good. Um, it's good to see you via the uh, the technology of Squadcast. Yeah. So we can. Uh, we're both wearing purple. Yeah. Uh, that's for right. the and we've both got glasses on. Although I have a pair of cheap readers from the ninety nine cent store on Lancashire and right. Moore Park. You're looking very stylish as often. Thank you. You do, Mister Barron. Thank you. I appreciate it. I I couldn't. I didn't want to give up dressing for the quarantine. I still shower. I put on cologne. I do the whole thing. I'm sure everybody thinks I'm insane, but I, I act like I'm going out. I have been in the same pair of sweats uh, since last Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people have chosen that route. A lot of people have done that. I can't do that. I can't. I can't do it. So when you get up in the morning, are are, are you sh- are you doing like the routine? Are you showering? Are you then picking an outfit for the day or whatever you have to do in the morning? And what, how is that working for you? Well, it's weird because I I have a routine that I I get up, I read, then I write, then I uh, then I exercise, then I shower. So I don't really get showered until the afternoon. <laughs> and then I, I I look like I'm going out somewhere, and I put on all my clothes except for my shoes. Nobody puts shoes on anymore. We have our shoes nope. off. And out over by the door. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then some, and every once in a while I leave the house to go for a bike ride, but that's it. Well, and, and I have to say to the people of the world, we were both practicing social distance, but I did see you on a walk the other day. Yeah, it was great. We're, you were on the bike path in Burbank, the the one that runs along Chandler. And I was uh, walking with my lady and uh, it was just a thrill to see another human being because I haven't seen anyone that I know. Have you? No, I haven't seen anybody. I had a buddy come and uh, stand in my yard, and then we <laughs> shouted at each other. And I said, why don't you come over for a shout, and we can shout at each other for a little while, because he was feeling pretty cooped up and wanted to see somebody. So, But no, I haven't really yeah, seen that's anybody. The thing that, well, that's the, and that's the weird thing about it. It's like, we, I think we all just need that, like... Just deceive people. Like I don't even care who it is. If it's someone who is like an acquaintance or someone that I barely know, yeah. or like someone from a you know a, an Al-Anon meeting for me, it's like I, I'm just chomping at the pit to see people. Yeah, no, I I I didn't realize that I liked hugs so much. But I've been, <laughs> I've been miss, I miss them. <laughs> well, I'm sending you a virtual hug because again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm psyched to be here. Tell me one thing before we get into the Brando cast. Yeah, because I, I set you up as a comic, as a writer, as an author. Yeah. Is there a, a potential new twist to the Greg uh, Greg Baron Enterprises with some life coaching going on? What is happening? Yeah, you know that's such a weird thing. Somebody suggested last summer that I give it a try, another life coach, and said, "I don't know why you don't do this. You could do this from your from the comfort of your own home, and people would be into it." And I was like, "I don't know if people would be into it. I mean, maybe. I've written self help books. I've sold over five million self help books, so maybe God it damn. makes sense." 
Yeah. And so I, so I decided to give it a shot and uh, I'm really just trying to become a cult leader. <laughs> I just want to be, I just be a, a, you know, I just want to uh, practice stoicism and, uh, and get people through their bullshit. Um, uh, is it, and, and do you find that all of the knowledge that, that you brought to, uh, your, your comic performances, your writing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, people who are listening to the brand cast might not know you outside of the world. My aunt Jean in Hudson, Ohio, but she might know you as the author of, he's just not that into you. Right. Or right. it, I mean, that's it's how, called a breakup because it's broken. Yeah, thank you. Those are that's how most people know me. I mean, people do know me as a stand-up. You know, I did that for a really long time. But uh, but my appearances on Oprah were ultimately the thing that sort of shaped my career. And um, and so and now they'll know me. Uh, I'm working on a new book called "Don't Take Bullshit from Fuckers." And, uh, <laughs> and I, I think that one's got a real shot. So um, you know. I think that's my biggest problem, Greg. I, I take yeah. bullshit from fuckers. Got to uh, stop. <laughs> Write your fuckers down on a list. Write them down. Make a list. Right. Okay. Just I'm not not to take away from your coaching, but if I yeah. if I just write down the list of fuckers. Just at one simple You write tool. down their list, you write mm-hmm. your name down, then mm-hmm. you write all the bullshit that they say. <laughs> then on the opposite page of a notebook, you write all the opposite of everything that they everything that, that they make you feel, you write the opposite of that on the other side. Then you take a pen and you redact all the bad shit, and all you're left with is all the good shit about yourself that is ultimately true. Wow, that's fantastic. That that's uh, uh, I can do that. I can yeah. I can I can I can I can implement that tool in my life. I, yeah, the biggest yeah. the biggest problem in my life my life right now, Greg, if I'm honest about it, is food and stress eating through the pandemic. Oh, I mean, yeah. part of the reason that I got the sweats on is because they lie to you about how big your waist is getting. You know, there's, oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, no, yeah, when yeah. you put on a pair of jeans and you've had dominoes four of the last nine nights, those jeans are going to tell you what's yeah, happening. Yeah. 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 The jeans are going to let you know. They're, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. They're a little resistant. Yeah, but 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 sweats they they let they let you they let you get fat, and that's what's happening to me. That's the yeah. bullshit that I'm putting up with right now. Yeah, I heard. I I listened to the the most recent episode, so I I know that you're you're eyeing a, a shot at the Santa Claus. <laughs> you're going that route, which is a way to make it work for you. I think if you're going to make it work for you, you know, shoot for Santa. There's no reason why I can't be Santa at Fashion Square in Sherman Oaks. There really yeah. is no reason. No, and you're jolly. You are certainly jolly enough. <laughs> ho, ho, you, have, you, have, you have rosy red cheeks, so I think it's actually kind of perfect for you in a way. I mean, I don't want to say you've discovered something, but maybe in this pandemic, you've actually been one of the people that's grown. You know, that you're actually manifesting something right now that you could be very excited about. Christmas could be a big deal for you. <laughs> I, I remember camping once in the Angeles Forest. And the campground host was the Grove Santa. This was like back in like in like really? the two thousands. Yeah, it was the, it was a Buckhorn Flats campground up in the Angeles Forest. And I was like, that guy's got a good life. He's living up here in the Angeles Forest basically for seven months of the year, and then he just comes back down into the valley and he's Santa for a while, makes his money, probably does two or three commercials, then goes right back up to the campground. What a life! It's not a bad life, man. <laughs> Who knew the Santa gig was so good, man? It might be a good thing. It's so funny. Interestingly enough, I quit sugar during this. Oh, how's that going? It's a fucking nightmare, but I'm doing it. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, but I'm doing it. 
Yeah, that's, well, God, all of our vices are on full display. I got, there's a cheese problem over here in this apartment. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much cheese. And yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah. cheesing my way through this pandemic. Yeah, cheese is the other white meat. <laughs> well, that is true. On that note, how, in the other ways that we're getting through the pandemic, and here, here's what I'm excited to do with you, Mr. Barron. Usually on the, the Brando cast, I read my guests the history of a band that uh, they might not know or they might not like or they might enjoy, whatever. And we just use sure. that history to get through the conversation. But what I'm going to do today, Greg, is I'm going to, I've been watching a tremendous amount of rock and roll documentaries Mm. and concert films. So what I'm going to do for you today is I'm going to throw some concert films at you. These are my recommendations for stay at home, self quarantine, rock and roll concert films. And I'm going to start off with one of my favorites of all time. It is Queen, live at Wembley. Live at Wembley Stadium is a recording of a Queen concert at the original Wembley Stadium in London, England. It was filmed on Saturday, July 12, 1986. The film was shot during Queen's Magic Tour and about a year from their legendary performance at Live Aid in the exact same stadium. Queen. Live at Wembley, and we are listening to Tie Your Mother Down exactly right now. Mr. Barron, your thoughts? I mean, it's a great, it's a great concert. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good, I mean, I'm not a huge Queen fan. I'm not, I don't dislike Queen in any way, mm-hmm. but I was never really like a, like a big Queen guy. Um, but but just straight up as a concert video and as a concert as a live band they're just they're they're almost untouchable like it's a really they're just great it's just a, it's a, it's a, that is a, that's a good that's a good concert vehicle it's one of my favorite cuz it, it just shows freddie at his full glory but also the the strange twist in it is that he is right around the corner well he's probably discovered that he's got aids at this point during the concert yeah. you know, before the concert yeah 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 and yeah. he's only a few years away from uh, leaving this mortal coil. So that's the craziness about this concert for yeah. me because he's so goddamn incredible. Okay, you said the Queen. But they're all good. They're all good. They're all tight. They're all all the musicians. I mean, they're 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 on, man. They're, it's not messy. You know how like some live records sound kind of like the records, but not really. Yeah. But they, this this sound. They're they, these guys are tight, man. They were they were very good. Okay, you said you said you you said I'm not a Queen guy, but I love Queen. I appreciate Queen. Yeah. Who were your guys? Who were your guys? Because well, my, my theory is between 13 and 20, that's yeah. where you have like your guys, your bands, your girls. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it was all over the place, really, but I but I started with Aerosmith and then Van Halen. And then and I swore allegiance to them. And so I didn't I didn't need Queen because I already liked a singer with a big ass mouth. <laughs> you know, I was a Steven Tyler guy. Like I, you know, I just thought they were and I didn't quite get Queen either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, totally they're, they're, they're a pretty smart band, actually. Like they 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 take a little thinking. Aerosmith wasn't too complicated. <laughs> no. Do no. you like Punane? And then <laughs> and do you like cocaine? 
Yeah. I mean, do you like drugs and women? Because that's what we like. And that's all we really care about. Right. Versus the seven seas of rye. And you're like, I, okay, it sounds fun. Seven seas of rye. Don't know what it is. It's probably yeah. in England. Where? What is it? I, but it's a fun song. Yeah. <laughs> Does, Why do you want to ride your bicycle? You want to ride your bicycle. <laughs> is that what you said? He did. <laughs> because all Aerosmith wants to do is ride around in a Camaro. <laughs> uh, Van Halen wants to ride around in the same Camaro and steal your uh, girlfriend. That's, that's the next Van Halen. Level. So those were my first two. Those yeah. are my and I played football. That was when I was in high school and I played football. So those were like my those were my bands. And I liked, you know, I you know, all like I liked Skinner around that time and I liked, you know, the southern rock bands and you know, so I, I sort of liked that stuff. But when I finally went and got a guitar and started playing music at the end of my senior year. Then yeah. I went right into the Clash and the B-52s and all of the, all of the punk new wave stuff. And I and I really sort of came late to the Clash. I came late to punk. I didn't. I was. I was sort you of unaware of it. Uh, it. It was over by the time I real punk. You know what I mean? Like that 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 early the Sex Pistols and the Ramones were already sort of established. But you know what I mean? Like. Um, yep. Um, uh, and then I ended up loving all of what came out of post-punk, you know, Adam the replacements, the the replacements Adam and the ants, you know, yeah. I even liked the new romantic band, like the Duran Duran and all that stuff. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in, uh, San Francisco, California and San Francisco and Marin. Okay. So yeah. at, at that, at that time, I th- you and I are roughly this, the same age. Yeah. So what was what was really in the air in Marin County uh, at the end of the seventies and the early eighties? I graduated in eighty one. Um, gotcha. I remember that we listened to a a, a lot of B fifty twos. Yeah, and Blondie and yeah. Blondie. Um, and um, there was a local band called the Tasmanian Devils that we all really liked that we all followed around, and um, um, a lot of new wave. A lot of that stuff, uh, a lot of the skinny tie stuff. And then when I got to college in 82, 81, 82, so then it was U2 and the beginning of the, that's when the replacement show up and, you know, all that stuff. What were some of your most memorable shows from uh, that period of time? You know, oh late, God, late, late high school, early college. Well, my first con, I didn't go to my first concert until my senior year of high school. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was uh, it was the Eagles on the long run tour, and they had Roy Orbison open for them. Wow! And Roy Orbison's pants split open, <laughs> and he was playing with the house lights up like it was a bad night for him. Oh I mean, no! He made he made it he made it kind of fun, but he wouldn't put a t- he wouldn't got a towel and came back and put a towel over his crotch. Oh, Roy! Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't great, and then and then the Eagles came out and were the Eagles, and they were. I guess they were good. Then I didn't. I ended up not liking them later on, but I I liked right. them enough then, you know. And then it was nothing but as many Van Halen concerts as I could get to. Every time they toured and came around, you know, I saw them. They were the best. They were the best. They were, they were the best. best. They were the best. And yeah, it's I a crime. Like that was my first big concert. Was the was the Van Halen. Um, what was it? It was uh, the uh, women and children. That was the first time I saw Van Halen too in Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to describe to people. They were the best. They were the best. They were the best. And it's a crime that there's not a great Van Halen concert film from that period of time. We get a couple videos shot on the fair warning tour for the unchained. So the one, so the one that exists from Oakland, that's the concert I was at. Oh shit. You were there. I'm at at that concert and that is the best footage that I can think of. Yeah. I mean, they just, there just wasn't, Van Halen until Van Halen. Right. There wasn't anything really like them. Like nobody behaved the way they did, you know, like the the way that the way that their show took place and how there were spotlight moments for all of them and how all the spotlight moments were big production numbers. Yeah. You know, Michael Anthony's ridiculous bass solo was a big production number. You know, David Lee Roth was and David Lee Roth was undeniable. There was just you couldn't take your eyes off him. No one was better. I when they came to Albuquerque in 1984, they always came to Albuquerque. But when they came in 1984, I've always said to people, it was arguably the biggest music event in the history of New Mexico because of of they played two nights in a row at the little rodeo arena right in the middle of the city. It was yeah. it was it was jocks it was stoners it was preppy kids it was complete burnouts it was our brothers from the navajo nation it was like it was every kind of group that was in albuquerque everyone was there and it was like a it was a party all they did was host parties that's what they did david lee roth is a party they they didn't really have there wasn't um at least that i recall it was they weren't metal really like they weren't it wasn't like all dudes it wasn't like going to a rush show it wasn't even like going to an aerosmith show you know it was women and weird dudes and punk rockers like everybody went to van halen everybody they had sort of a they had a they had a bigger all-inclusive party man and which they wanted which they wanted well uh, you know uh yeah, it's a crime, but it's a crime. I'll go back to my original point. It's a crime that there's not a concert film about Van Halen from that era. All right, my number two, my second, my second recommendation for people for the stay-at-home self-quarantine rock and roll concert film film festival, if you will. And it's a weird one for me, Greg, because I'm a big fan of oldies. This one is the Tammy Show. And The Tammy Show is a 1964 concert film that includes performances by numerous rock and R&B acts from the U.S. and England, such as James Brown, The Beach Boys, The Supremes, and The Stones. It took two different concerts to shoot the film, and those shows were held at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in late October of 1964. Free tickets were distributed to local high school students and other acts on that bill, Marvin Gaye, Janet Dean, and Jerry and the Pacemakers. Made famous by a police song, The Tammy Show. Have you ever watched the video? No, I haven't. I've seen clips. Yeah, it, it I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm a nerd for uh I'm a sixties music is like privately what I like to listen to when I'm is relaxing. Right? Yeah. I fuck dude, I love the turtles. I yeah, love okay. the association. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. I love all the British invasion that we never got exposed to uh, right. because everything was filtered through FM radio in the 70s and 80s for uh, for me. Right. Uh, and, and there's, I just, I love oldies. It's a, like, it's in my DNA. And the Tammy show is so goddamn fantastic because there's the, all these amazing performances. The Santa Monica Civic Center. Terry Garr and a young Tony Basil are go-go dancers in the background, which is hysterical. Really? Oh yeah, 
You see, you like every once, every five minutes, there goes Terry Gar. She's probably 17 or 18, but that's her. And here she's shaking at the camera, Terry Gar again. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. It's an amazing show. And it's also, it's also the stones have broken in America and uh, they, they're, they're, they come on after James Brown. And you could tell that Mick was like, okay, fuck. That's the most important performer in the world. I'm going to do my fucking best. And it's where he really starts to jump uh, more than he had before because he was influenced by James Brown. It's an amazing video. I, I recommend it to anybody, especially if you have little kids and you want to teach little kids about the history of rock and roll, the Tammy show. It's tremendous. And is it available? You can, is that like a thing you can go get the whole concert at like yeah. Amazon or someplace it's, like that? I, I'm a Rhino records or Rhino, I think put it out on DVD. I own the DVD. Uh, it's all over the place. And sometimes it, it shows up on Amazon prime. I don't know if it's there right now because I'm lazy and I could have Googled before you and I sat down, I could have Googled like, is it available? But I chose not to. Well, people have because, time. Yeah. I mean, we, people have the time. They can do it now. You don't need to do the homework for them. Let's give them something to do. It's a project. Go find the Tammy show. You've got a few minutes. James Brown minutes on my VCR, as Sting yeah. says in the song. What else are you doing to uh, to buy the time during the uh, this uh, self-quarantine craziness? I mean, I'm watching a lot of, you know, I started Billions. I watched, <laughs> I finished Ozark. Like, Do I need to get all, into Ozark? Oh, if you haven't, it's a gift. Okay, it's I haven't. It. It's, it's one of the best shows on television. It's so good. I'm so envious of you getting to start it because it's amazing. Okay, so uh, yeah. has it been on for three, two or three, three seasons? Three seasons, so it's perfect. Okay, yeah, the, ne- yeah. the Netflix. It, Jason, Jason Bateman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Bateman. Uh, uh, I think he created. It. He's in it, and I think he directed most of them. And he's a great director. Fantastic. And it's, it's shot like film. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. Really dark. Really smart. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 sort of. It kind of falls in a little bit of like the Sopranos, a little bit like the Breaking Bad kind of thing. Yeah. You know, good people well, that have gone bad. I, I, I'm, I am quarantining with another human being, and we get to the point every night where we're like, well, now what? What are we going to watch now? What are we yeah. going to watch now? Like, we watch Tiger King like anybody else in, sure. in one setting, you know? Uh, yeah, we wa- yeah. But, uh, all right, I got Ozark to look forward to. That's really good. Anything yeah. else? Ozark, really good. Ozark's really good. I mean, I like Succession a lot on HBO. I haven't watched that either. Oh, my God. I don't understand it. That's another <laughs> one. Jesus. Stop watching the Tammy show. You've right. seen it. <laughs> You've seen it. You know what happens. But, Stones go on after James Brown. You know it. <laughs> but I will tell you, I'm guilty of being such a dude because I think sometimes dudes left her on devices. We do watch the same thing over and over and over oh, and yeah. over and over again. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So oh, watching yeah. the Tammy show hey, is listen, like candy I, for me. <laughs> I listen to the same stuff over and over again. I was, I've right. been listening to my records. I have a, a collection of records that my sister left me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they're just, it's just everything I liked in the eighties. And I just listen to them over and over and over and over and over again. My, I'm sure my kids and my wife just think I'm insane because they, <laughs> they consume new music and new right. culture. And I stopped a while ago. You know what I mean? Like I'll listen to it when I'm with them and I'm interested and I like some Frank Ocean and whatever, but I don't seek it out. 
and I'm sort of stuck in my grooves. You know what I mean? And then I want to go listen to the hives and then I just listen to the hives and I'm sure they're like, Jesus. Greg, I basically shut the door on everything around 2000, 2001. A couple bands have snuck in there after that. The national I enjoy, but for the most part, it was like, okay, guided by voices. We're done now. I'm done. Yeah. I'm exhausted because I was the guy who had to listen to the brand new thing every fucking year from the yeah. time I turned like 10 and on. And by the time I got to 2000, 2001, I was exhausted from that search of trying to find the next new thing. Well, the other thing that happens when you get older is you realize those people aren't making records for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're not making records for you. They don't no. care. They're, no, they're, they're not. They're, they're happy for you to show up. They're happy for you to buy a ticket. Right. They'd like you to buy. They don't, they don't want you backstage, however. No. They, they, they don't, don't want you near them. And they don't know you. <laughs> and they don't care that you're their fan because you're ancient. Well, that's the weird thing of being at like if you're at the Echo or the even the old Space Land in Silver Lake, you're like I'm the close to the oldest guy in the room, except for the sound guy. No, I know it's weird. It's not. A, it isn't enjoyable. No, I quit. I think I quit after the Strokes. I think I I fell in love with the Strokes. I still love the Strokes. Yeah. And I think I right around that time I went. I don't know that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what comes next? I know. I like the Silver Sun pickups, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And I like when I like when those bands keep recording. Like I'll buy a new st Strokes record. Yes. But I I won't. I don't even know what kind of music people are making now. <laughs> I can't understand it. Nobody has a guitar, or it's a way low in the mix. Like I just no, don't. No. It, it's a girl it's a girl on ukulele and her sister playing violin and then some dude on a drum machine there you go that's a band that's yeah. how it goes yeah <laughs> i know I, mean, I have this same experience which is also why i went backwards and said okay i've got all this time now because i'm not i'm not trying to travel around finding new bands anymore so it's time for me to get into the association it's time for me to get into these uh to to get into johnny cash it's time for me to check out 60s Waylon Jennings. And that's what I've been doing. And I'm there's totally a, fine with that. There's a, I'm uh, obsessive about the White Stripes and there's a White Stripes podcast. And uh -huh. it's literally the first season didn't even get you up to the first record. Oh, really? So that's how deep they go. They go so fucking deep. They go, wow. yeah, yeah, concert by concert and recording by recording. And they have all these different people that were deep in the fucking White Stripe world. That White Stripes aren't in it. <laughs> they, they, produce it. they produce it. They right. produce it, but they're not interviewed. Amazing. You know, other members of like uh, 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 of the Rock and Tours and his other bands will talk, but but man, it's so deep. It's so meta, and it's so me. It's like that's all I want. Like somebody <laughs> makes something about the cars, and then I'll just listen to that. Yeah, I'm right. ancient. I don't care. Yeah, me too. That I would feel the same way about the replacements. I need a replacements podcast, and I, I would listen to that. Oh, Jesus, it would be incredible. That would be. That would be that would be a gift. I would love a replacement podcast. Yeah, so uh, necessary. I've been told that there's a possibility that I might be able to get one of them on the Brando cast, and I'm not going to say anything more about that because I might jinx it. Okay, number well, three, Bob, you've been ripped off. <laughs> and number three, I'm going to take you back to Marin County, my friends. Okay. For my third recommendation, my third concert film recommendation, we are listening to U.S. Blues. It's oh. the Grateful Dead movie. <laughs> I can see his face. The Grateful Dead movie is a film that captures live performances from the rock band The Grateful Dead 
during oh, they were hard five, to capture. <laughs> a five-night run at Winterland in San Francisco. This was in October of 74. The movie was finally released in 1977, and it was put together by Mr. Jerry Garcia. Just give uh, me, you know, I, I had Dave Anthony on the podcast a, a number of months ago, and Dave told me yeah. that his home phone was was one number off the Grateful Dead hotline when he was oh, growing right. up. right, yes. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So he fielded phone calls in the Bay Area from deadheads just wanting to know information. <laughs> Do you want to know a really weird fact? It was also one number off from my parents' office phone number. What? Is that, is that it was true? One number off, <laughs> and they yeah, they used to call all the time and ask for tickets. Are you kidding? Not at all. Oh, no. That's why Dave and I are friends. <laughs> our connection to a band neither of us could stomach. I couldn't stomach the dead. Uh, tell me, uh, tell, just tell me everything. Tell me everything. You know, yeah. they were. It was. You know, I think there was a. There was a. a I rejected all of the local bands eventually. Uh, understood. You know, I couldn't do Journey for a long time. I, I've come to make my peace with them. Yes. But I really hated them for a while, understood. especially during especially during punk. You know, like these bands were the antithesis of punk, especially the Dead. Although in in more ways, the Dead was more punk rock than most bands will ever be. Yep. You know, because they did everything on their own. And they and they had their own cult and they created their own thing, but I just couldn't get with it, man. It just was too fucking stupid for me. I just couldn't get with it. I tried, and I was just like, it doesn't work for me. I went to one of their concerts, and I was sort of, you know, I I I sort of acknowledge, oh, there's a community here, and I I'm sure they, it's good for them, but I can't stand the smell. <laughs> the, the, the smell of patchouli and weed. I can't take and- the. Yeah, I can't take it. <laughs> I can't take the dancing. I can't. Yeah. I don't want, you know, I now, need a miracle. I, I need a miracle, too. I need you to get out of my way. <laughs> I, here's the miracle I'm looking for. And the thing about it is, is that when the dead would roll into University of Oregon, you know, yeah. like three or four days before deadheads would show up. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. With their little signs and all that shit. And in San Francisco, same thing. Like when the dead were coming through, you know, the crowd would roll in a couple of weeks before and live on the sidewalk. And, you know, it just was, I just was like, I was, I was so anti that. <laughs> now growing up where you did, did you know anyone who was connected to the band? Did you go to school with oh, anyone? Yeah. Kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I didn't, I knew one of the Cantoners from Jefferson Starship. Oh, fair but enough. They, yeah. all, they were all family. And you would see Jerry, you know, for a hippie, he drove a gold Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> and did a lot of cocaine and hung yeah. out with a lot of girls. Yes. So he lived as, as, as much of a Van Halen lifestyle as Van Halen lived. Yeah, he no question. He just played different music. All right. You know? <laughs> and I didn't mind him so much, really. I just couldn't get with the vibe. Later on, I would come to appreciate it a little bit, you know. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, when you like things like Wilco, I mean, that's essentially the Grateful Dead. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like he's, yeah. They're very influenced by them. I got to college in the fall of 1986. I'm going to school in Chicago, Illinois. And it, that's that was when the explosion happened. And uh, the Deadheads... 
uh, the, well, the Grateful Dead thing just became bigger because of Touch of Grey. And so between 86 and when Jerry died, I saw them about 30 times. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of going to Vegas for three nights to see them. I'm guilty of wow. you know seeing them in Philadelphia and, and San, at Mountain View and Palo Alto and San Francisco. Every time they came to L.A., when I moved to L.A. in 1990, they came to the sports arena every year. Yeah, so I saw I saw the tail end of that when when it was hyper popular with all kinds of groups and, and not just deadheads. There was one at University of Oregon. There were a lot of frat boys with BMWs and Grateful yeah. Dead stickers. That's that. Well, that, that was the crowd. That that was the crowd. It was trust fund kids. Yeah, yeah trust fund kids crowd. really like the dead. Yeah. Yes, they do. And and in the East Coast, crunchy. Well, or Oregon's the same. It's that it's that crunchy kid who can fuck off in college, and he knows he's going to work for his dad when all is said and done. So yeah, right. yeah, he, he can blow it out, and he can afford the cocaine and the ecstasy and the and the mushrooms and the travel. And naked in a parking lot in Austin <laughs> Stadium and not know what day it is and want to know where the keys to his Beamer are. Dude, I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, people, go watch the Grateful Dead. Go watch the Grateful Dead movie. I knew you would have yeah. a take on it because all of you who, who are from San Francisco, I mean, it was so in your face in the Bay Area during that period of time. You can't avoid it. Oh, my God. It, it was and it was and it was like the hippie thing would never die, and so you were always forced to listen to the Starship uh, or the <laughs> airplane, if you will, and uh, whatever, and yeah. uh, and uh, the Journey and Santana, and after a while, you were just like, God, these fire hippies! I can't handle. It. That's why I love the replacements so much. Yeah, the replacements. There was never a group of guys that more and tit like to me. They were the they hated everything. Yeah. They hated everything. They couldn't even succeed. They hated themselves for succeeding. I was going to say that was they hated themselves just to start they with <laughs> the most, like yeah. of, of all yeah. things, and yeah. and that which made me adore them. Yes, and for me, there was no other band. There was nothing. I mean, like you know that like. I loved Aerosmith, but I I li- I lived and breathed the replacements. I saw every possible show that I could have seen. Uh, that when they were on the West Coast, we traveled to see them. Like they were, yeah, they were super They're, important. Uh, your friend Brendan is guilty of literally trying to dress like Paul Westerberg from 1986 until they split up with All Shook Down. So for a five yeah. year run there, I really like dress for me was like I couldn't quite pull off Tommy's look because you got to have creepers and you got to have perfect pants and a full uh, a tuxedo jacket, like a plaid tuxedo jacket from a thrift store. And that stuff's hard to find. But dressing like Paul was so easy. And I literally did that because I wanted that to be like it was my identity. I wanted people to know that I was a replacement fan just roaming about the earth. Does that yeah. Make- yeah, 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 yeah. No, me too. I, yeah. Tommy was the one you wanted to look like, but you'd have to be. You, you can't. You had to be super skinny and have great hair. Like yeah. he, had, he was just perfect. Uh, he was, and I think he still is perfect. All right, number four, the fourth movie I'm going to lay at you, the fourth concert film. I love it. People can get mad at me. I'll fight to the end because I love this man. It's Rock Show. It's Paul McCartney and Wings. Rock Show is a 1980 concert film by Paul McCartney and Wings. It was filmed during the band's 1976 North American tour and includes footage from shows in Seattle, New York, and L.A. These concerts were a part of the Wings Over the World Tour, giant tour for Wings, 
And this also produced the Triple Live album, Wings Over America. And we are listening to Jets from Rock Show. How do you feel about Paul McCartney and Wings during this period of time? You okay with that? I, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I have to plead ambivalence. Oh, that's funny. I, 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 I liked, I liked Paul McCartney, but not, not a lot. <laughs> like, I, love, I, love the, I love the Beatles. Yeah. But I never followed Paul's solo career, and he was the he wasn't my favorite of the Beatles. Understood. Um, well, I'm going to say that I had I had my my best friend in in uh, fifth and sixth grade was a kid named Eddie Zaleski, and Eddie's had an older brother, Larry Zaleski, and Larry Zaleski yeah. loved Wings. So in 1977, I loved Wings too because of Larry. Because I've I've always said that like you need those older brother figures in your life, or those older kids, those older dudes, or, or even older girls who just have a cool taste in music. And I thought Larry had a cool taste in music as a fourth and fifth grader. So uh, that's sort of where my love of wings really locked in. Does that make sense? My my cousins really liked them. And I, and they remind me, like they remind me of the radio in the seventies. Like they remind me of, of, uh, you know, like, uh, like a Paul McCartney song right into ELO, like that kind of like, you know, guardians of the galaxy soundtrack kind of, I love those songs. I like jet. I love, you know, I love live and let die. How do you not love live and let die? I mean, what a, what a great song. Um, I just never got down with Linda and the whole, I just never, it just never was like a rock band to me. It wasn't like a, it wasn't something, you know, um, uh, I, you know, most people disagree with me and people love him. And I met Paul. You did? Tell me. Uh, tell me that Paul. story. I, tell I, me that I story. Met Paul. It was just a quick one, but uh, we got invited to see the Foo Fighters in New York. Uh-huh. And, uh, and uh, because we went to, we were kids at the same school as Dave. And we became, I was friendly with Dave for a little while. Wow. And Mira and I both were. And so we got invited to see the Foo Fighters. And uh, we were backstage. And Dave came and got us and go, no, man, you don't want to be back here. Come, come on, come on the bus. So we went on the Foo Fighters bus, and we were sitting around with the what's the guy's name? He's the host of Survivor. Uh, Jeff Probst. Uh, Probst is like his best friend. What? He's like Dave's best friend. So, yeah, wait, they're like wait. best friends. What? You know, Jeff Probst is like his best friend. They're like super close. What? And Probst was super nice, and he Probst said to me, "I walked on the bus." He goes, "You had a talk show." And I was like, "Oh my god, I did have a talk show." And he goes, what, what did you think of that? I, I had one too. And so we started talking about talk shows and whatever. And then Paul McCartney just walked on the bus with his wife. <laughs> uh, just walked on the bus. <laughs> and we were all like, oh, fuck. And he's like, hey, I'm Paul. Wow. You know, well, what do you say? I mean, other than Paul Westerberg, he's the most recognizable Paul there is. That's right. Oh. And uh, my middle name is Paul. <laughs> and uh, and I just said, oh, hey, how's it going? And he said, good. And then uh, and then he regaled everybody with the story about he had just flown over from London. He was with his kids in the morning, taking them to school. And, um, and he was funny and friendly. And then we all had to go because the Foo Fighters were playing. Wow. So it was really wild, but I, yeah, I got to meet a beetle. I've met, a, I've met, I've met a beetle. So that's, you know. that's uh it's not quite a unicorn, but would you say you've met a whole mess of people? Would you say that's the most famous person that you've ever met M- minus Oprah just because she has a different kind of reach? Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's heavy. Like Paul McCartney is a celebrity celebrity. 
Well, Paul probably transcends a greater amount of time. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, right. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's been around longer than Oprah. So, so I would say, yeah, I don't know how much more famous it gets than it's a, you know, it's like a big drop off from like, it's like, uh, it's like a Paul McCartney, then Oprah, then Tom from rage. <laughs> Then I think I met a guy from Fuel. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, you fantastic! Know? Well, I you know, mean, when, yeah. when your kids go to school in the Valley, you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, parents like that. Like, hey, well, you're I, I from mean, the thing. I mean, Dave just in and of himself is a fucking epic superstar that uh, will probably uh, transcend time. The king of the king of Generation X. That's that's the way that I look at Dave Grohl. I mean, good. good yeah. That guy, I feel like that guy's living my life. Can I say that? I really feel like he's living my life. Like the, the, the fantasy that I have about what Dave Grohl gets to do. That's yeah. sort of my fantasy. I'm not a musician. Yeah. I didn't choose that path, but I feel like he's living my life. He's really living. I mean, the thing about Dave Grohl is he, he's one and he yeah. knows he's one. Good. He knows he's one. And so he's very grateful about all of it. He's, he's, he's super, super sweet. He's super nice. I love to hear that. Cause he just seems like a cool guy. Yeah, you know yeah, he's who, a good guy. who got he's to a good introduce guy. my favorite band into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rush it should have been me. It was Dave Grohl though, and I'm happy right. that it was Dave Grohl. I met, I met, I, I met Neil. You met Neil Peart. Yes. Wow. He came and he saw me do stand up actually because he was at Largo one night with Dave Foley. Holy shit! Okay, well, then, and I didn't that's know another mind blow. Wow. I, I didn't know that he was there. Fortunately, because I would have fucked up my set. Right. This is the old Lar the old Largo on Fairfax. The, the old Largo on Fairfax, and he was sitting in that booth, that big one that was right there towards the kitchen. And, wow. Uh, and uh, and uh, I went over. I was just thrilled that Dave was there from the kids right. in the hall. Right. And he was super nice to me. And then he's like, "Is my friend Neil?" And I was like, "Motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking Neil. I know Neil." Yeah. The I have a few of your records, Neil. <laughs> How's your dinner, Neil? <laughs> you fucking genius. <laughs> did you enjoy Mary Lynn Rice Cobb? Was she on before you? <laughs> yeah, dude. How was Mary Lynn? Did you enjoy that, Neil? <laughs> what Canadian ideas do you have about this? Oh, my God. You going to go write a song about Mary Lynn Rice Cobb? You should. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. All right, we're rounding it out. I got I got basically two more to lay on you. Two more films. Yeah. For the people playing along at home, if your kids haven't watched this one, they need to. This is Led Zeppelin in the song remains the same. The song remains the same is a 1976 concert film featuring the English rock band Led Zeppelin. The filming took place during the summer of 1983 during three nights of shows at Madison Square Garden in the New York City. Song remains the same. It's a, it's a, one of the top concert films of all time, in my humble opinion. Did you have a heavy Led Zeppelin period ever? Yeah. Okay, yeah, when I, was in when I was in college, I was, I was in a friend's room, and he played When the Levee Breaks, <laughs> and I lost my fucking... I didn't, you know, because I just wasn't, I like, you know, obviously I was in high school and then, and uh, I just never really got down with, you know, I, I liked Stairway and, and uh, Dancing Days and a handful of them. I didn't quite get them. Like, yeah. I didn't get them. Again, I was, 
I was like a, I was like, it was like I had joined Aerosmith and was in the band. <laughs> I only liked Aerosmith. <laughs> and then punk came along. So then it sort of, it sort of pushed me away from all of those bands. Yeah. You know, I liked it high and tight. And then I heard when the levee breaks and I went back and bought every record. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I got it. I got it. The door opened and I went, Oh my God, I, you know, how many more times? And like, you know, and I particularly love, uh, I like, I like this. I like number three. Yeah. Oh, like number three is an amazing lot. record. Oh my yeah, God. And, and, uh, and they were just unstoppable, man, you know, and that's a great concert movie. And it shows them to me, it's the height of their rock God powers. Cause there yeah. are, there are rock stars and then there are, rock stars there's right, well, led zeppelin level rock stars yeah well they were sort of like van halen sort of like this the definitely like the stones but they were inventing it yeah yeah it was, they were it was happening as they were inventing it as they exactly. were deciding what it would be mm-hmm. you know yep yeah they're they're uh yeah they're unbeatable they for me you know because because of my age hard rock for me kiss introduced me as as a as a consumer like i like this even though i'm in fourth fifth grade you know for dudes mm-hmm. in the 70s kiss is like training wheels you know you get to yeah. like listen to it buy a record cuz it's your favorite band listen to it from start to finish understand what hooks are listen to lyrics they're your training wheels then you graduate to led zeppelin the who black sabbath then you go on to like more nuanced ACDC Van Halen. That's how I looked at it. But when I yeah. just when I was like, this is my band too, that was such a big deal for me. Like I could not wait to have my own Led Zeppelin t-shirt. And I remember yeah. what that shirt was when I first got it at Spencer's Gifts in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, just a classic, you know, the 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 angel. I don't know what they call that uh, that logo, the the Icarus, the wings, oh, the Led yeah, Zeppelin yeah, wing. Yeah, right. You had yeah. to have that. That's good. I'm glad that you like that. Um, what's the best show you've ever? What's the best concert you've ever seen? Can 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 you think of one or two off the top of your uh, head? It was one of two. There were two replacement shows that are probably the best shows I've ever seen. There was the first time I saw them when they played in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Wow! And they played it for keeps. Wow! And they they and they uh, uh, and then they played encores where they were doing battleship chains and. They were just doing all kinds of shit. They were amazing. And then they walked around in the audience afterwards. Oh, they did? Yeah, they just were just walking around. Talking to kids and stuff? Walking to pee around, talking to people, yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow, it was really wow, strange. Wow. And then, and then, and I saw them many times, but I saw them play in San Francisco when they first had Slim in the band. Yeah. And uh, we let, the show was over, and, and we were, at, at, this is at the Fillmore. And me and my buddy were down by the bowl of apples that they gave away. And we were talking to these two girls. We were trying to get them interested in us. And they weren't biting. They were not interested. And then all of a sudden I went, I think the replacements are back on. And my friend goes, no, dude, the house lights are up. It's over. I'm like, they went back on. And we went back upstairs and there was like 40 of us. And we watched them play for another half an hour. Holy Christ. Wow. Yeah, they had waited until everybody left. And then they went back on stage. In 19, so those are those are, yeah. those are two. In 1989, I saw them at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago on the uh, the All Shook Down tour, and um, or the Don't Tell a Soul tour. 
And uh, Aragon Ballroom is an amazing place to see shows in Chicago. And it, at, when the show was over, we were in like the second row and they played the Ramones uh, Teenage Lobotomy. I got punched in the back of the head, but I didn't mind because I felt like it was like a little souvenir from being in a replacement show <laughs> yeah. where everyone was really because it was an it was an amazing show. Uh, yeah, it's almost hard to describe. It's hard to put. It's hard. It's hard to put it to words because they were so sloppy and bad too. I saw some. Just I saw them shit the bed a couple of times. Right. You know where you were like where they just didn't want to be there. And well, that's uh, the magic. And, that was the mystery of seeing the replacements. Of your concert right. Yeah. Well, the you mystery was: you gonna are you going to get good replacements? Are you going to get good replacements tonight? Or are you going to get so drunk that they can't play and then they're done in 40 minutes? I mean, that's, yeah. but that was part of the magic. Did you, have you read trouble boys? The great book about the replacements? Oh my God. Yeah. Twice. Of course you did. That's a dumb question for me. I'm learning. I cry. I cried during it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough book. It's, it's, it's maybe the best rock and roll biography I've ever read. It's literally like a John Updike book. It's, it's, it's so dark. It's almost Raymond Chandler. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, 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 Raymond Carver. You know, these guys are born to lose and they do lose and you kind of and you your heart just breaks for them. And I don't even think you have to know music to dig it. No, no. It's and I hope that they I hope that they bring it to, to I hope they make it into a movie or something. But the replacements also deserve their top shelf uh, documentary. Someone out there has got to convince Paul that it's time to like, let's just tell the story in a, in a real true way. Do it right. Listen, Spend I money. tried to get it. I tried to make it. You I did? tried to get it. Oh, shit. I called. I got. I found the author on on Twitter, and I emailed him and said, "Jeff Garland wants to produce. I want. Uh, I want to make a replacements documentary, or at least be a part of the production team that puts together." And uh, and they said, "Well, we're going to do a feature." And okay. uh, and I was like, okay, but I was like, I don't don't do a feature. I don't want to see somebody play. There's who's going to play Paul? Yeah, no, I, and who's going to play Tommy? I, I no, I don't want that. I want I want a high quality documentary. Like, yeah, yeah. there's got to be tons of footage. I mean, well, there, yeah. there, there doesn't have to be, but hopefully, there's footage. It just so is deserving of its own documentary. It's like you know, I think some people would get a chance to discover them, whereas oh. opposed to a feature, no one's going to care about. Right. God, that's amazing. Good. Keep swinging. I love that. Fantastic. All right. There's one more. The last film I'm going to throw at you, and we'll wrap things up. It was one of my favorite bands of all time. It was a film that it was originally shot to be shown on MTV. It is Rush in Exit Stage Left, 1981 concert film, shot in Montreal during the Moving Pictures Tour. This is Deep Nerd for Brendan Smith. My favorite live album of all time is Exit Stage Left, and this is the video companion piece to it. If you are a Rush fan, you know this as a religion. If you've never seen Rush, this is a great place to start and see them in their full glory on an incredible tour, which I also saw in the Albuquerque, New Mexico. Rush, Exit Stage Left. Yeah, it's excellent. It's, I, 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 I loved uh, I love Rush. Um, I didn't see them as many times as I saw other bands, but one of the reasons that I will always love them is I saw them on the Presto tour, and we had terrible seats. We were miles away. We had to have binoculars, and um, uh, and they had these enormous inflatable bunnies. Yes, on the stage, and when I saw them in Oakland, one of the bunnies was deflating. 
and falling back onto the stage. And Getty was laughing so hard he could barely play his bass. And I loved that he <laughs> laughed at it. Yeah. Like instead of having some kind of a rock star freak out, he was looking at the, I think, seeing the absurdity of his own career in the middle of it and laughing at it. And it just made me love them even more. It's the spinal tap moment for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. As opposed to when I saw the cult, uh, <laughs> they reunited, they got back together and they did this big thing where they, where they had a big white scrim up and then you would, boom, the light would go up behind the bass player and you'd see the silhouette, then the drummer, and then you'd see the silhouette, then the guitar player, you'd see the silhouette, then the singer, and they dropped the white curtain and it came down over Ian and covered him up. And then he got tangled in it and then he couldn't get out of it. And when he did get out of it, he was furious and ran off stage. And it wasn't funny <laughs> when it was, in fact, the funniest, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm at Zappa and I and our friend Richard Cheltinga, who produces this show. We uh, drove to Vegas to see the cult and interview them for our serious XM show, Rockdale's. Uh, and they were delightful to us. We didn't know who we were going to get. We were, didn't know if they were going to be mean to us. Yeah. Who are you? We ended up ha- uh, spending two and a half hours after the show with Ian Asbury because he just wanted to hang out with us and share his and ramen. Is Ian a funny guy? Um, he's a sweet guy. He's he falls into the category of like one of the most gracious, nice guys. He's a serious guy. He's a thinker. He's got a great sense of humor, but he's Seriously, not a joke yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 he's yeah, a yeah. deep. He's a serious guy. He's like in, in his spirituality yeah. and like he's a Billy, Billy, uh, Billy Duffy seemed more like blokey. Let's go to a soccer game together, you know, kind of guy. But uh, Ian, but it was so sweet. And he just wanted to know about us when we realized that we all kind of lived in the same area. He's like, we should have a curry club together. It was like it was like one uh-huh. of the, the highlights of my life, but I, I could I could see that uh, he would not be happy if a curtain fell on him, or no, any, any he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't find the comedy in the moment, <laughs> uh, and the angrier he got, the the worse it it, it made it. Yeah, because Billy Duffy was laughing. <laughs> he was laughing. Well, they're they're very much a married couple. They're very much a a. Yeah. Uh, uh, they don't hate each other. They, I think they love each other. I think they have a deep love for each other, but they definitely, I think, get on each other's nerves from time to time. So they're a married oh, couple. I think I'd, like, I'd yeah. like to see a curtain dropped on a few friends of mine. <laughs> I have a few friends that could get tangled in a curtain and I'd be okay with it. Sure. Why not? Why not? That's fun stuff. That's fun stuff. Oh my God. All right, dude, we've been talking for 54 minutes and 24 seconds. And so, oh, wow. okay. It's time for us to wrap this up. I am so beyond honored that you took the time to do this with me. Oh, oh, I loved it. Greg, I wish we were in the fancy studio that we usually do this show in uh, because, you know, there's a different interplay when you're like next to each other and vibing off each other. But I'm just beyond elated that you did this for me. It's a huge favor. And uh, I'm such a huge fan of yours. And I can't Thank wait you. to see uh, what's coming down the pike. Go make the replacements documentary. Just find the fucking people and force that through. Find the people to do it, man. I think Odenkirk stepped in at one point and is trying <laughs> to do it. Like someone's trying to do it. Yeah. I just, it's just that then they got hung up on this idea because there's all that money in making a movie. It's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, all right. My friend, you're the greatest. And for those of you listening at home, thank you so very much. 
Subscribe, click, enjoy, tell your friends. The Brando cast is building. We got some great shows coming down the line that I'm really proud about. And again, thank you, Richard Cheltinga, for adding the music to today's show. Until next time, cats and kittens.